Welcome to the OOO Ozempic and Semaglutide podcast. Get ready to hear from best-selling healthcare author Dr. Josh Luke as he facilitates a discussion on healthy weight loss and living healthy. And now here's your host, Dr. Josh Luke. Hey folks, welcome to the OOO Ozempic and Semaglutide podcast. I don't think I've been this excited to do an interview since I started this podcast. I want to thank all the listeners. We had just eclipsed 10,000 downloads in less than 60 days. I've had three healthcare related podcasts that were two were ranked in the top 10 for the year, but this one, I've never seen this type of download and interest. And that's why we did it because this is a weight loss revolution. It's scientific. But today we're going to enter a discussion that is somewhat controversial, which is um, those under the age of 18 using GLP-1 agonists or semaglutide. And um, when uh, our brave guest, Maggie, started this, it was long before a lot of this research has been coming out that talked, that's showing so many positive things. So help me welcome to the show, Maggie Irvy and her mother, Erica Irvy. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. So you are in Marceline, Missouri, uh, home to a few other famous people, right? Walt Disney and some others. That's cool. About 100 miles from Kansas City. So a big weekend for you guys with the Chiefs in the playoffs. Absolutely. Um, I came about uh, Maggie's story uh, online at thecut.com. And if you want to look it up, um, get comfortable. It's a very detailed article, but that's what you want because it goes through so many different uh, things and questions that people have about this process. It's by Lisa Miller at thecut.com. It's from December of 2023. And the, the headline is An American Girlhood in the Ozempic Era. An American girlhood in the Ozempic era, adults are divided about giving children new drugs for weight loss. At age 13, Maggie Irvy decided to take them. So Maggie, let's start with you. Um, how old are you now, Maggie? Um, I just turned 16. Oh yeah, did you get your driver's license? I did. Yeah, let's go. All right. Okay, <laughs> so, so it's been about three years, but this journey uh, has has been a lifelong journey. And when you read this article, you learn about that. And we're going to talk to mom about that in a few minutes. But Maggie, just tell us about growing up, kind of when you knew that you were a little heavier than you would like to be, and when it became something that that mattered to you. Because I know uh, I know, reading the article, when it met, your parents were great parents and tried to help you with it, even, even probably before you uh, were, were concerned about it, but because the article talks about kindergarten. So can you just kind of talk with us about what it was like growing up for you? I think I first figured out that I was overweight whenever I was like in fifth grade. Okay. Because I, I went to the, I, I went to Children's Mercy, like the, to get the, the, the whole, what's it called? Weight clinic? Yeah. Yeah. Like the obesity clinic. The Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went there in like seventh grade. And did mom, like, drag had, you there? I, did mom drag you there or was, or were you kind of like, was there an episode that made you go, all right, mom, I'm ready to do this mom and dad. I think there was like an episode. Cause one time I had, it was like, we'd wear like a chief shirt, like a chief, it was like bring a chief shirt to school. I didn't have one. So I had to wear my dad's and it was like really big. And I, and everyone made fun of me cause it was like an over oversized shirt and I didn't have my own that fit right. Yeah. So I came home crying and mom was like, well, we need to do something about it before 
So that was the straw that broke the camel's back with you as a as a, a youth. But you know, the article talks about your parents actually addressing this just in a healthy manner. Even as early as kindergarten in the story, it talks about your gown wouldn't zip. And so so your your teacher at graduations made everybody unzip their gowns to make you feel included, which I thought was a really good story. But what you're sharing is look, that my parents felt that, but I was too young to even care or notice. And it was really seventh grade where it became a priority to you. And that that sounds about right, right? Is yeah. that middle is that middle school in Missouri, seventh grade? Yeah, it was probably like fourth or fifth when it happened, actually. Okay. Okay, cool. So as you get to the end of elementary school, and then the article also mentioned that you kind of had a wardrobe in, in elementary school, and it kind of described it as a way to kind of hide uh, your weight, if you will. It was a uniform of leggings and, and tunics. Is that the right word? Is that how you say that? Yeah, like just longer shirts. Yeah, longer yeah. oversized shirts. And again, was that your choice or was that your parents kind of looking out for you? Probably both. It was more, more of both. Okay. It's interesting, too, because the article points out that even though 37% of adults in Missouri are considered obese, that's below the national rate. But it talked about in your community, there's lots of different programs for adults um, to lose weight and live a healthier lifestyle. Um, in fact, the article mentioned a friend of yours, Maggie, whose whose mom might makes them get on a scale before they open their refrigerator. Can you, without mentioning any names, can you just talk about that? Well, I don't know if it's she talks she talks about it in weights, but like I don't know if she also does wrestling, so like she kind of makes herself do it too. Okay, but like she also like. She has like a stepdaughter. She makes her stepdaughter do all this like okay. dieting and stuff because she's overweight. I don't know. It's kind of, it's weird. It's all. But it shows that, that this isn't something that you're the only one focused on and you're not the only family focused on it, that it really is something that's, that's that affects all of us. And so um, you are actually prescribed something called Victoza which was one of the early GLP-1s even before Ozempic. And so uh, I wanted to ask mom, is, is that something that came through a doctor's referral? Was insurance paying for it? I know the article describes it in great length, but just from your perspective, how difficult was it to get that order when she was only 13 years old? Um, so it did. So the doctors recommended it. The doctors at Children's Mercy recommended it. Um it wasn't, it is not, she still takes that to this day because anything that, um, for some reason, Victosa is the only thing that we are able to get through what is called, I believe a 340B plan. Yeah, sure. And that is an agreement between a local clinic and a local pharmacy yeah. where certain medications that are difficult to come by or not covered by insurance or terribly expensive can be purchased at a reduced rate. So um, Victosa is what we use and what we have stuck with because of that 340 feet, 340B agreement between our pharmacy and our local clinic. Okay. Um, so yes, it was doctor recommended. I don't know if it was their first choice and I don't remember... I don't remember if it was their first choice, um, but it has worked for us and we have stuck with it only because we're able to afford it out of pocket. Okay. And that brings up two questions for me for, for Maggie. Are you at your goal weight? Are you comfortable where you're at? 
I think I, I want to get down like 20 more pounds, like to 160. Okay. You're, you're brave sharing, sharing your weight. I know my wife, 25 years later, hasn't ever shared hers with me. I, not that I care, but, <laughs> and also, um, is it, is it something you plan on doing permanently taking the injections or are you hopeful to, uh, wean off at some point? Um, I'm not for sure yet. Okay. I think that's fair. I think most people are there. And I've, I've been surprised. I, I interviewed somebody from the Cleveland Clinic who said a dietitian and coach who said she's recommending her clients to stay on it for the long term because the research that's coming out is, is overwhelmingly positive at present. Of course, it's still early. So one yeah. thing that you did, Maggie, that, that I hadn't really heard before, and I wanted to hear from your perspective why, but you also had bariatric surgery. Is that right? After you started the injections? Yeah. Okay. Tell me about that and why you decided to do both, why you didn't wait to see if the injections would take care of it. Was it something a doctor recommended? Walk us through that process, if you would. Both of you, for that matter, I should say. Walk us through why you decided to do both, because I'm sure your parents were heavily involved in that decision. Well, we all we always planned to have the bariatric surgery. Like we had we were planning on doing that before the shots. So we wanted to have the bariatric surgery, even though like with this, the shots were just like an added on process, but we started the shots and then like two, maybe it was two or three weeks before the surgery, we stopped them. Okay. And then so that way I could try and lose weight on my own before the surgery itself to show that I could actually lose some weight. And then after the surgery, like maybe a month or so after I started back on the shots to help me. How long were you on the injections before the bariatric surgery? Yeah, like a couple of months. And and were you losing weight then? I was, yeah. Okay. The shots helped me just not eat as much because, like, the shots help my brain. Like, it's not like they don't help me, like, not eat. It's help, it helps my brain, like, tell me that I'm not hungry. Like, because oh. if I don't take the shots, then I feel like I need to eat more and more because, like, my brain tells me I need to eat, but I'm not actually hungry. What time of day are you hungry on the shots? And what time of day do you just find you're not hungry? Because I know it varies between my wife and I. I feel like I'm usually not hungry in the morning, but usually more so hungry in the like nighttime afternoon, like nighttime afternoon. Okay. When she gets home from school. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the opposite. Sometimes that's probably because your brain's occupied with, uh, you know, school or cheer. Schoolwork. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to also ask you about side effects. So let's let's do this in phases. Did you have any side effects on the injections before your bariatric surgery? I have not had any side effects whatsoever, really. Like, usually I sometimes have, like, sometimes rarely I have dizziness, but, and sometimes I feel like I'm going to puke, but I usually, they're rare side effects. Okay. Um. Cool stuff. And so you still haven't had any, even after the bariatric surgery, huh? Yeah. Like I sometimes, I, like sometimes I have the same ones, like I had it before and after, but usually I rarely have those. Okay. And so how much weight have you lost in total now? It's been, it's been what, two and a half years since you started this journey? Yeah. I've lost about a hundred pounds. Wow. That's great. That's great. Good for you. And and do you feel, do you feel healthier as well? I do. I feel yeah. really healthy. You find that you're more active? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. 
So no side effects. You're planning on staying on it uh, for the near future to lose a little bit more weight, but you really haven't thought as far ahead to decide if you're going to stay on it um, for the long term or not. Those are a lot of the questions I ask all of our guests. Um, so um, can you um, talk a little bit about um, your daily meal plan? Like, what, what do you eat three meals? Do you, are you like, you know, a lot of the fad diets always said snack five times a day, two hours. Like, do you, do you have a meal strategy or, or is there no strategy? Well, I really don't have a strategy, but I mean, like, I don't eat school lunch. I bring my own lunch, which is usually like, I usually bring like Triscuits and like meat, like a protein. I bring like cheese and then like, you know, those like little laugh cows and then fruit and then I'm trying to think that's pretty much it yeah for breakfast i have like protein like a protein bar for do dinner you, we try and i'm sorry do as, much, as for dinner we try and do as much veggies as possible because we don't, we don't really get it in during the day yeah so there's meal planning going on for sure but it sounds like the meal planning is more about the items than about calories carbs and protein quantity, yeah for right? sure Okay, cool. Well, that's really exciting. So um, tell me about um, your reservation. Did you have any reservations about doing this when you were 13 years old? Or you just kind of trust that your parents had done the research and you were ready for something that was going to have impact? I was just all in. I didn't really, I didn't really know any of the consequences. I just was ready to get it up. Like I was just ready to lose weight because I was like so ready like to fit into different sizes and I was just I don't know I think I was just like I don't know how to explain it like yeah from the get-go Maggie has always been all in I mean obviously can I was you, more can, trepidation can you, can you lean in a little bit so we can see it there oh, you are sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry sorry I was a That's little okay. more <laughs> um, so from the get-go, Maggie has always been all in. And obviously as a parent, I've been more trepidatious and uh, her doctors and I have done the work, you know, like we have sat down and talked about um, side effects and what is the healthiest for her and, you know, long-term effects, short-term effects. We've done all the research. We've done all the work. I am definitely one of those people who trusts a medical doctor. I will say that, you know, from the get-go. Um, and I especially trusted the um, doctors at the um, clinic at Children's Mercy in Kansas City. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but from the get-go, Maggie has always been about whatever it takes to lose weight. She has her whole thing from the very get go, you know, she would talk to psychiatrists and psychologists and um, they would say, well, you know, why do you want to lose weight? What is, what is it that you're hoping to gain from this? And she said, I want to wear cute outfits. And they would laugh and they would say, no, you know, it, there's got to be more to it than that. Like thinking there's some kind of like deep seated psychological reason why she has to be thin. And she's like, no, I want cute clothes. Like that is, <laughs> you know, but she was a uh, 13. So, yeah. but that's always been it for her. It's about wanting to be normal. It's about wanting to fit in. It's about wanting to be the size of her friends and wear the things that her friends wear and do the things that her friends do. Sure. And, and, you know, that is adolescence. Sure. 
Okay. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about, you just touched on this as well, um, but was there any pre-diabetes, was there any other health condition growing mm -hmm. up that, that, that made the focus on the, uh, the being overweight or was it just, uh, we know a young girl growing up in this age, by the time they get to middle school, if not sooner, they're going to be dealing with stuff. So was it, was it just that or was it, were there some health concerns? There were health concerns, and that's why we started this journey very early, because um, she had fatty liver disease. Okay. And her father is uh, type 2 diabetic. Okay. Okay, and were the meals around the house growing up? Talk, talk about those, because I think it, the article states that you started meal planning at a real young age. Yeah, I, we did, yeah. Um, and that is primarily... Um, well, okay. So my husband, uh, works for the railroad. He's, okay. uh, at the time when she was younger, he was a, um, a railroad engineer and their schedule is by nature. Basically they're on call 24, seven, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Yeah. Um, and he would get called out in the middle of the night. He would come home, maybe sleep a few hours, be called right back out. Um, so our life was very, very chaotic. Yeah. And a lot of times it was just me and the kids. I also work a full-time job. Yeah. Um, so when I would come home from work, a lot of times I would make something quick and easy that I knew the kids would eat. So it was a lot of like chicken nuggets in the oven. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was pretty much our meal plan for a long time when the yeah. kids were little, you know, I would put out the fruit and the vegetable and the chicken nuggets and let them eat what they, what they wanted. And when I noticed that, um, Maggie, you know, was gaining exponentially compared to her brother who is very uh, close in age. They're just 14 months apart. Um, that's when I became concerned also the fact that her, um, appetite was pretty insatiable. She yeah. would eat, um, a meal and then immediately be ready for dessert or a snack, or, you know, there were after dinner snacks and before bed snacks yeah. and after school snacks. It was, it was a lot. Um, and so she was, you know, we did seek help pretty early on because of how quickly she was gaining weight. And that's a real thing too. I know when I, when my wife and I were dating before we got married and it, it really was the first time um, as you're building a relationship, you see those differences in eating habits. Uh -huh. And it's unfortunate that in society, you're almost punished for being a hungry person or a snacker. Uh -huh. I was never a dessert person. Like my wife, for example, would rather have salt than sweets and I'm the opposite. You know, I'd rather have some sweets, but um it is unfortunate that early on in life that there's there's this social punishment, if you will, um, for being hungry. And um, that's what I've explained. And I remember having that moment after I started this diet. And I think Maggie kind of described it earlier where my wife and I went to dinner the next day. And it's like, oh, should we split an appetizer? And you go, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. These injections don't burn fat. They basically are just telling you you're not hungry. So you need to manage your diet. You need a meal plan, whether it's counting calories, carbs, protein, fat, whatever, or just as you said, making sure the right items are there and the wrong items are not. Mm -hmm. um, that's actually kind of what I like about 
this is I'm just trying to make a lifestyle change and not do a binge, right? Like I, I do have a bite of my kids' mac and cheese if they order it. And I don't feel like I'm cheating because I know overall I'm staying under that number. So just a couple mm -hmm. questions before we wrap up part one. I, I just wanted to hear from you, Maggie, like what's what's one thing that has worked or, or for you that is like, man, this is easy since you're on the injections. And what's, what's one thing that you're like, man, this is still hard. Like, so what's worked and what's still been a challenge? putting you on the spot huh mm, no i feel like this morning has worked so your mom talked about snacking that, that when you're growing up snacking kind of after dinner i know that i say i know that like i know that i don't snack as much and like i don't go back for seconds at all like that like eating not eating as much has worked like i haven't i don't really eat yeah. at all really like i I don't, I don't eat what's on my plate. Like usually like I eat half of what's on my plate, then all of it. So one of my guests called that the clean plate club. So you're no longer a member of the clean plate. Club. <laughs> and I think, I think little things like that are actually cool for us to remember when we commit ourselves to this, right? Because if you have three or four of those little catchy things that, that you try to stick to, and if they're working, they help along the way. So so that's worked for you, right? Not eating the full plate, not going back for seconds. What's one thing where you'd go, man, I'm still, this is still tough. Is it a time of day? Is it a certain day of the week where your friends all go get ice cream? Or is, is there something that's still still a real challenge for you? I, um, so I know that you asked Maggie, but I just want to share one little thing with you. And that is that um, from the time Maggie was a baby, her pediatrician, whom I loved, mm -hmm. um, he is now retired. He always said, you decide what she eats and she decides how much she eats. And that has always been a, something that I lived by. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and I still totally believe in that. Um, the problem is that when she was little, it wasn't the clean plate club. It was two or three plates club. So I was providing the food, but what she was deciding was enough for her was three and four times as much as people her age were supposed to have to be eating. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really realize that until I had some of her little friends over and they ate meals with us and they would take three or four bites and want to go play. And Maggie was finishing her food and their food and was still hungry. So one of the things that she was diagnosed with when we went to Children's Mercy Clinic for the first time was an eating disorder. Um, she was also tested for some genetic markers and um, those she has like six genetic markers that um, they've seen have a link to obesity and disordered eating. Um, so for us, what works about Ozempic or not Ozempic, in our case, Victosa, what works for her is the fact that it has shut off that part of her brain, seemingly. Yeah. So I still let her decide how much she eats. It's just that now she takes a couple bites and she's full and she can walk away from the plate and throw the food away. So if her and her friends go out for ice cream, because obviously now she's 16 years old, yeah. I don't have that kind of control over what she eats anymore either. Yeah. 
So I do provide healthy food at home, but if she's going to go and have junk food with her friends, that's totally fine. But now she can eat a few chips and throw the rest away, or she can take a few bites of ice cream and say she's done and throw it away. And she doesn't have that feeling anymore of, I need, I need, I need, I want, I want, I want. Yeah. And and so amazing. And, And so proud of you for what you've accomplished, but also for taking on ownership of you know this stupid thing that society has created where it is such an impactful uh thing for not just uh, growing up as a youth but for your whole life really you know it, mm-hmm. it's something that's always there and and you know you mentioned that some of her friends would just have three or four bites and be done and let there be no doubt having just raised three kids over the last 25 years as well some parents uh, are training their kids that way um from the get-go as well and again it gets back to this whole um, parents are are kind of trying to get ahead of it by you know forcing mm-hmm. their kids to only eat a, a few bites and and it's not to say that one way is good and one way is bad um, guys we're going to wrap up part one of this mm-hmm. interview here in a second but in part two we're going to get into a few things like the fat acceptance movement where they they don't want uh, people that just don't want to conflate larger bodies with illness we're going to talk about um, how the author of this article came to know Maggie's story at the Obesity Action yeah. Coalition mm-hmm. event. But we're also going to talk about how her social life drastically changed and how it's evolved. And, mm-hmm. and you're going to hear some very interesting things about friends abandoning because um, they weren't used to having a quote unquote skinny friend. And then mm-hmm. how they may have come back into her life as she became a high school cheerleader and achieved some of her dreams. So so make sure you you download uh, part two of the show as well, because uh, we're going to go in a totally different direction now. Um, this show has been a lot of the same questions we ask a lot of people, like, what do you eat? How much are you eating? Um, I just want to close, though, by making the point you just made that the, the cool thing about GLP-1 Agonist is they've solved the problem that kept Jenny Craig in business and Lindora and Weight Watchers. They had all these strategies because your brain's constantly telling you you're hungry. Last night, my wife and I went out to dinner to celebrate something in our personal lives. And I had one roll, which I don't usually have. And I, my wife said, what do you want to order? I'm like, doesn't matter. I'm not hungry. <laughs> order whatever you want, right? We're at a celebratory mm-hmm. dinner. I hadn't had much to eat all day. I ate one little roll and, and I was full, but that's the truth. And Uh, you know, I'll just say praise God for that, because that's been a struggle for so many of us our whole life. And as long as this research comes out that says there, here's the only things we found that you need to be aware of about agonists, uh, GLP-1 agonists, then we're good to go. So we're going to wrap up part one of the show. I'm going to put Maggie on the spot here and ask her about one of her favorite healthy recipes that she likes that she goes to that when she's done with it even if she cleaned plate clubs and eats the whole thing she doesn't feel guilty because she knows it's only you know two three 350 calories so what do you think maggie putting you on the spot here okay i have to say it's cottage cheese and tuna <laughs> oh yeah i love cottage cheese that's great i've never tried it with tuna but i'll have to try that that's cool but it has awesome. to be it has to be hickory smoked tuna. Oh, okay. Free brand pro- promo there as well. I love it. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, folks, thanks for joining the OOO Ozempic and Semaglutide podcast. Thanks to my guest, uh, Maggie and Erica Irby. They're gonna come back and join us for part two uh in just a second. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. Thank you. 
You've been listening to the OOO Ozempic and Semaglutide podcast. Dr. Josh Luke is a PhD, but not a medical doctor. And none of his comments or comments of his guests are intended to be medical advice. Make sure to like, follow, share, and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back soon with a new episode.